Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today for our feature on female chairpersons of portfolio committees in Parliament is Ms. Bongiwe Mbinko Gigaba who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education and is a member of the African National Congress. Some of the functions of parliamentary committees include increasing Parliament's capacity to deliver outputs, monitoring and overseeing the work and budgets of national government departments and holding them accountable, as well as considering and amending bills. Ms. Minkogagaba, you chair an important portfolio, and I think it's fitting to open today's conversation with a quote from Kofi Annan, the former Secretary General of the United Nations, where he said, knowledge is power, information is liberating, education is the premise of progress in every society, in every family. So with that said, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Doc. And... um... Good uh, day to you and to the listeners at home. Starting the program, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights decrees that everyone has the right to education, that education should be free, at least in the elementary and fundamental stages. And the Department of Basic Education has numerous programs like Second Chance, Read to Learn, School Nutrition, and many more. And this department deals with all schools from grade R right up through to grade 12, including adult literacy programs. And the aim of the department is to develop, maintain, and support a South African school education system for the 21st century. So with that said, please, can you tell us about a few of the priority points or targets in relation to girls and women that the committee is currently busy with? Um, Thank you very much, Doc, uh, for that question. Look, the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education, um, our focus areas um, are guided by the key policy priorities um, for the basic education sector. As you know, that is outlined in the National um, Development Plan, Vision 2030. the 2019 to 2024, the medium term strategic framework and the president state of the nation address, um, which also includes the the budget by the minister. So that uh, makes us to have a focus, um, which is what we are going to do pay financially and uh, that also includes the the annual performance plan of the department um, of of basic education now i would want to tell you of the focus of this particular year which is 2022 um 2023 um financially um, is the early grade reading um, as a critical enabler for all learners and i think you also know that uh, the department has embarked on an early child development shift from social development um, to, to, to basic education, which is a, is a key highlight 
um, I think for us um, as the as the committee that makes the the department to to account to us. And I think that makes perfect sense of shifting from social development through to basic education because it is about providing that educational know-how to children at that early age. Exactly. And and also formalizing, um, you know, you shift them. We were always saying when we were busy with the program that actually social development was there to, to make the children crawl, stand, uh, know the whole house, what is it that is right. But we are formalizing that as, as basic education is formalizing now that you give them quality education because um, you would know whatever that deals with um, basic education is quality assured. So that is one of the highlights, as one of the focus areas um, that we, we dealt with uh, this year. But also the department, it aims to fulfill the commitment um, towards learners with special education needs, which uh, we know that it also caters for that. In the, in the foundation phase, they are supporting the teachers under individual, um, individualized coaching, uh, which is the provision of foundation phase classes on relevant graded uh, readers and early grade reading assessment tools. They're also strengthening school level professional um, learning communities um, to advance um, teacher. And then there's also general education and training, which is the introduction of the general education um, certificate at the end of grade nine that facilitates um, the flow between the schools and technical and vocational um, education. And then there is also further education and training which is the improvement of the NSC uh, metric um, rate. But it's also increased the number of learners um, obtaining a bachelor's pass in the, in the NSC. So basically, as the committee, we are conducting oversight and we monitor the work that the executive is doing. For example, the DBE has under Program 5 has a target on number of education district implementing the program to end school-related gender-based violence under their program. So our focus as the committee is to ensure that when we conduct the oversight that targets on gender-based violence, we make sure that is met. And if that is not met, uh, we keep the, the department accountable. And what are some of those targets and implementation tactics to help prevent gender-based violence? Um, under Program 5, um, they would have uh, programs that uh, would uh, meet the people. They would probably target that they would go into this particular province or in that district. They meet the people and um, they formally um, inform communities. Um, this is gender-based violence. Um, this is how you look at it. And as and when it confronts you, this is what you need to do. So those are educational programs that the department would embark on, would formally go to the people on the ground and and educate them. So it's very much on a grassroots level, face-to-face and demonstrating to people what is correct and, and what's not correct. Because often socialization seems to be the key to being able to change cultural thinking and get people to exert the right types of, of behavior. 
Today, we're talking to Ms. Bongiwe Mbinko Gagaba, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education. She's a member of parliament and represents the African National Congress. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. I wanted to ask you if Africa features in any way on some of the strategic plans. Indeed. Yes, Africa is um, is is featuring under the the strategic objective, which is deepening the engagement in the international participation. Parliament, you know, is required to increase its capacity to represent the interest of the country in the international arena to build the strategic partnership around mutual interest and solidarity. So, for instance, recently last week we had. Um, a meeting with Homalusi, which is one of the entity uh, that deals with the National Senior Certificate. And we wanted to know how are they benchmarking the National Senior Certificate the other countries, particularly in the region. And we got to understand and um, we, we got to know that uh, actually we're not as bad as we think we are. The, the National Senior Certificate exams, when they are benchmarked with another country, because they did a benchmark with Ghana, with Kenya and Zimbabwe, and we observed that um, indeed there are historical differences. However, our matrix system is comparable internationally, which which is good. So we do benchmark we, with other countries at the level of the of the committee. And that's such an important element because we work and operate in a global community. That someone may start off their their schooling career, but the world is is literally everybody's oyster. So that's a conversation of oversight, the different factors and programs that the department is is busy with and that the portfolio committee is overseeing. In terms of looking more towards being a member of parliament, the latest statistics from the Interparliamentary Union shows that the global average of female representation in parliament is just 26.4%. And South Africa is ranked in 10th position at 46.4%, so nearly half. Can you tell us about some of the challenges associated with becoming a member of parliament from a woman's perspective? Um, The fact that we are ranked at 10 out of 186 countries, to me, I think that is a good indicator. It shows that um, in far as the representation of women in parliament is concerned, a lot has been done to accelerate women representation in the leadership position. Since the dawn of democracy, which was in 1994, women have occupied the various positions of bigger positions in parliament. We had a speaker, we had a deputy speaker, we had the chairperson in, in the other house, we had the deputy um, chairperson. So both houses have actually managed to have women leading. However, I think more needs to be done to ensure that the gender parity is maintained. Challenges from a woman perspective. One, we we need to to understand first that um, the world is patriarchal. Our country is definitely patriarchal. That on its own is a challenge because you get into a space and a space is associated with a particular gender. For instance, if you've ever been in our parliament, and it has always been my personal problem that when you go to parliament from where you park your car to the to the house where you are supposed to have your sitting it's a it's it's quite a distance and when you look into a distance 
Or rather, when you look into parliament and you, you look how it's paved, it's not suitable for a high heel, right? And I'm a woman, I wear high heels. It's not suitable for a high heel. It's like parliament was built because a particular gender is supposed to be working here. So those are challenges um, 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 that we face, Doc. I remember interviewing many years ago some of our uh, female parliamentarians who had come into office in 1994, and they said there weren't even toilets for women. It was just viewed as parliament is a male domain. Yes. You know, that precinct itself, when you when you are inside and you walk, how we walk, you, you see that it's not women friendly. You know, it's like there was no thinking that one day there will be women working here. So I'm saying that as much as we have moved, uh, there has been an acceleration in terms of that. But the reality is that there are still those challenges that you get into this space, particularly the political space, and you feel that you're a woman, you are in this space, and it's not easy to first affirm or to assert who you are because it's a patriarchal space. It's a space that um, listens to a particular voice, and that voice must be thicker than yours. How have you been able to overcome that? So how did you become more assertive to, to have your voice heard? Which is difficult, I must say. But one has been able to survive. I think what is important in any environment, you must first um, take your time to, to read it, to, to understand what is going on. And a woman space, unfortunately, it's a space where you have to be elected for you to be a, a member of parliament. So women generally, you know, we are good organizers. So it, it starts somewhere. Being a, a politician starts somewhere where you, where you live, being involved in your community. And uh, you make people to notice that there is some uh, leadership qualities um, in you and then you got to be elected in that. But getting into the space, when you are in the space, one of very fundamental things that um, I think has kept me is, uh, is sticking to what I believe in, being firm on what I believe in, wrong or right. It will have to take you, Doc, to come to me and, and convince me that, no, Bungu, uh, actually you are wrong. Uh, this is how things are supposed to be done. And to become in dealing with things, because there are challenges everywhere. There are challenges in our homes. There are challenges in our families. But a political space, that family as well, with these challenges, you need to become and um, give yourself time to read the situation. And um, out of that, see who can you work with and um, also understand, for instance, I'm a politician that in parliament represents the African National Congress. So I need to understand what is this African National Congress all about and how do I make sure that I represent it well and I also represent those that have voted for it very well. Politics is certainly not for the faint-hearted. You have to have thick skin. So what attracted you to the business of politics? I agree with you. You have to be um, thick-skinned. I never thought I would be a politician when I was a child. 
when I grew up. It was never, it was never part of what I don't think there is a child actually who say I want to be a politician. Um I grew up wanted to be a doctor. Uh, that was my my dream. And uh, I grew up, I studied, and just when I finished matric, I had to go and to a traffic college. I went to a traffic college, but at that time as well, I had applied to go to Cuba. There was a Cuban, there is this Cuban program by government. And then I I was I was taken, you know, I was taken in that program to go and study a medicine in, in Cuba. But when I related that to my mom, at home we were coming from a I'm coming from a very poor family. So she was like, no, you know, you can't go to Chuba Bangiwe. You we just got a job now. At least now there is food on the table. So I had to take all those things into account. And I said, okay, you know what? Um I will be a doctor one day, even if I won't be a medical doctor. Now let me let me look uh, into my into my family. I went to the college, I came back. When I came back, I worked, but I realized my strength is more into speaking. My strength is more into being amongst people, you know. I started to be active in in my community, you know, even at the workplace, I was a shop steward. Just in my entering, I was a shop steward. I was there um, representing people. And that's how I grew in the political space. Um, you know, going up to the legislature, but also uh, I grew up in the ANC Youth League. I, I had to lead the ANC Youth League. I was the chairperson of the province in the in the ANC Youth League as well. So to answer you is that it is a, a difficult space, but I ended up now being called a politician like I am called today because I also saw in me that uh, this is this is where this is what I want to do. I want to work with people, and uh, my strength really is in. I think I think I'm, I'm better talking than reading than writing. I rather like do what we are doing now, talking. I think I'm doing that much better. I rather stand on the stage and tell people why they should vote for the ANC. You know. So I I then became a politician out of finding myself. Who am I, and uh, what is it really that I that I really wanted um, in life? Thank you for sharing those aspects of your journey and also the view of career changes. That we can have one vision in mind, but depending on circumstances, depending on situations that sometimes those ambitions have to be delayed or fulfilled in different ways as we go with option B or option C or or sometimes even option D. Today, we're talking to Ms. Bongiwe Mbinko Gagaba, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education. She's a member of parliament and represents the African National Congress. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Our program, Womanity, Women in Unity, is all about gender equality. And unfortunately, the reality is that women are still underrepresented across the economic spectrum. Yes, as the Interparliamentary Union statistic has shown, we've got really good representation of women in Parliament, nearly at 50-50 on a paritary basis. 
how do you think we can build female leadership capacity so that we really strengthen institutions and start to see a greater influx of women into leadership positions? Doc, the gender equality, we must understand that it is a mandate from, from our con- uh, constitution. I think we need to ensure that the gender equality is achieved by making a, a constitution to the skilling of women. We need to build female leadership capacity. We must ensure that gender equality in the constitution is contributing to building awareness to issues of women and we must never forget disability. So women bring with the lived experiences. The lived experiences are well important to shape many things that women bring to the table. The issues of decision-making, Women are very good in communication. You know, as women at home, we we are the ones that communicate with everybody. We are the ones that make sure men do that, children do that, our siblings do that. So we communicate. We are the ones that organize. We are the ones that plan. So you do not really have to have a title of being an honorable member, but being at home as a woman, you get to understand that here I'm leading and you lead that. So to me, what could change the benefit women is the, is the issue of commission on, on gender equality. The structure needs to be more visible on the ground. This is my belief. Um, the, the, the commission on gender equality, it needs to be more visible on the ground. And we need more champions in the local community structures to assist us to deal with the issues of gender-based violence. Now, in terms of economic spectrum, what needs to change is more capacity building and empowerment programs for women. Also, more education opportunities for women. The more educated women are, the more this country will benefit economically, socially, and otherwise. We fully support your views on education. It is undoubtedly a tool of empowerment for women and not just for themselves, but also for the betterment of their families, opening up opportunities. And on that note, goal four of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals concerns quality education. And you'd shared that point with us earlier on in the conversation that part of your mandate is ensuring that the department delivers quality education. So within goal four, it aims to ensure there's inclusive and equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities for all. There are 10 core targets covering aspects like universal primary and secondary education, early childhood development, relevant skills for decent work, gender equality, and inclusion. Can you share with us some of the key gaps within these goals and framework that South Africa is closing? South Africa is closing um, gaps to ensure that there are more education opportunities for women. The more educated women are, the more South Africa benefits economically. Um, to dismantle barriers um, that holds us back. Um, so women need to be encouraged uh, to pursue education those who could not complete studies can go. Um, you know, there is a second chance program. Uh, I think you have mentioned it. Um, those um, who can't go um, to universities can go to, to, to FETs. You know, um, women 
they must find the, the stomach block. They must always make sure that they study further. And um, they must go to tertiary institutions so that they can be the women they want uh, to be. We, we need to understand that through education, we will be able to, to fight um, this patriarchal male-dominated lens. We need to be educated to do that. It's, that's going to help us not to fight men, but to fight rather for our space. <laughs> and there is no age limit on education. There isn't a time frame where you say, no, you, you've missed the cutoff date. You can't carry on with your secondary. You can't carry on with your tertiary. There is no time limit. And I definitely am an advocate of lifelong learning and continual progression. And when we talk about tertiary education, you yourself studied public administration at the Western Cape. Please tell us what role education's played in your career. Um, Doc, you know, I, like I've said, I grew up in the province of the, of the Northern Cape, a very small but unique province. I have studied, like you say, uh, public administration, advanced diploma in the University of West End Cape. But then I've also done a postgraduate um, diploma with, with the Vets University. And I've just recently uh, graduated my master's with Mancosa in public administration. So at, um, at a personal level, and this is the message really that I would want to say to young people that um, look, it doesn't matter how you come, but you must make sure that you arrive. It doesn't matter which which way you navigate through. Because all these qualifications I've done is, I've done as, as, as an MPL, as an MP. I've been a politician, so I've been in the legislature. Uh, like I, I've, I've told you, I had to first go and work so that my family must eat. But I knew at the back of my mind that I am going to arrive there and it doesn't matter how I arrive, but I'm going to make sure that I, I arrive. So probably politics then was, was my way of, of arriving to a PhD one day. So I have worked as a, as a member of, of the provincial legislature. I have worked as the member of the executive council in the province. And now I am chairing the portfolio committee on uh, basic um, education and parliament. So um, what is important is that um, young females must um, capacitate themselves. This world is patriarchal and can be cruel. So you need to always have um, a backup plan. You need to always have... Um, a confidence first in you more than any anything else. Those are very wise words. Today, we're talking to Ms. Bongiwe Mbinko Gagaba, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education. She's a member of parliament and represents the African National Congress. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. As we come towards the latter part of the show, I wanted to ask you a question that I ask all my guests, and that is about 
the factors that they consider and you consider have contributed to your success. Some people, for instance, speak about a particular person as a, as a role model or values or faith or discipline. So can you tell us what have been some of the key drivers that you think have contributed to your success? Um, look, I've always looked at Mamouin. Ne? I, I always saw her as my, as my role model. Mandela, uh, the late, because looking at her, um, she was very strong. She was very firm, and she stood by what she believed in. Besides that, she was a, a family woman. You know, she had a husband, she had children, but she was a very important politician. And being a politician, she, she went through a lot and she survived all that by being firm. What I'm trying to say is that at a personal level, and especially now, I understand that um even in politics, even wherever I would end, there is no easy life. There will be challenges. But what is important is how do I pull through those challenges? Um, how firm or what identity would I rather um, um, give to, to, to our people? Um, like I've said, I, I ended up immersed myself now uh, in politics. When I was the, the MEC, I was the MEC of sports and culture, for instance, in the province. And I have made sure that we we try because I concentrated. And at the time, because I was also the chairperson of the youth league, I wanted the programs to rather concentrate on young people. How do we go through and how do we get down to young people and and, and see them? Now, I'm sharing this portfolio committee, um, the sector which we are responsible for, the uh, Department of Basic Education. And we see some major shifts, uh, like the learning and support materials um, covered. Um, we see that difficulty, but we ensure that uh, learning recovery takes place. And in actual fact, that the National Senior Certificate results of 2020, which we were part of that program, um, where the department has done so well, uh, you know, it is a reflection of the achievements which we made to improve the learning and, and teaching. And let's face it, 2020 was a an incredibly challenging year. That was the start of, of COVID. So having these factors in place and being able to achieve those results is definitely uh, an indication of having the right interventions in place. Exactly. You know, we were at home. We were strictly working at home. We, we couldn't even go to the shops in 2020. But that class had made us very proud. Um, that class have made us very proud as a country. Under the circumstances, at some point you knew that there was a decision that only grade 12s must be at school. And they have stood that test. They have made sure that they are passing 
So uh, that is actually a reflection and the achievement that we we have we have made. Now, in terms of my values and faith, I I stand to proclaim that I am a, a devout Christian, and that I am, and as such, I think that drives my faith to be strong in dealing with challenges and and uh, adversaries. So that is Bongiwe. As the young woman, um, I was I was very young, by the way, you know, I was very young when I became the member of the provincial legislature. I was 26 years old. And um, one is still holding that vote um, in the National Assembly now. But it's not a, an easy journey. Balancing that life, being a mother, being a, a wife, being a, a woman that goes to church, but also having extended families that you need to, to look at and, and go and visit. Uh, that just needs a strong, proper planning. In those few words, you've just demonstrated the multidimensionality of women, the different hats that we have to wear simultaneously and the attention that we have to devote to the different areas of our life. As we close out today's show, please, can you use this platform to share a few words of inspiration or motivation to women that are listening to the show? Um, <laughs> you know, to, to all the women that are listening, um, when, I, when I was answering this question, okay, there is a song um, with a with a lyrics which says be bright in the corner. I'm not sure if you if you if you know it's just be bright in the corner wherever you are. So regardless of our situations, um we must always know that we can bring light into any situation. Uh, I'm saying this because um as women we are phenomenal. Where we are, wherever you are, women must always know that um, they have the power to make a very meaningful impact. Where we need support, we must always make sure that we support one another. We must never be afraid to knock on the doors because what also um, makes us to look as if we are failures, we think that, uh, no, we can't knock on doors. We must not ask other people to help us. We must always just receive... we are indoctrinated that men must always um, provide and bring us things. So we must never be afraid um, to knock on doors. It might be many dogs, they are going to be closed uh, for our progress. But when you find a door that is closed, you must make sure that you push that door open. You must always make sure that you are asking the relevant, the relevant questions. We must never sit back and complain. We must never be complainers as women. Uh, we must always find ourselves being part of the solutions. We must be innovative. We must always use our creativity because we do have creativity in us. We must always believe in ourselves. Um, the success is always right within ourselves. We must always unleash that power and we must always show that we do have potential. That is a wonderfully assertive message. And I think that um, many people listening to that will be able to take core elements away with them. 
Thank you very much for joining us on the show today. It's been a pleasure to host you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much for hosting me. <laughs> and I look forward to our next engagement where I can call you Dr. Mbinko Gigaba. Yes, I'm coming. I'm going to come. I'm coming there. <laughs> I don't worry how, how long it's going to take me to arrive, but I will arrive there. I'm coming. <laughs> we, will, we will meet you on the other side. That's for sure. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to Ms. Bongiwe Mbinko Gagaba, who chairs the Portfolio Committee on Basic Education. She's a member of Parliament and represents the African National Congress.